Welcome to the New Point Community Church Podcast. This message is part of our series, Better. We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Hey, New Point, I want to welcome each and every one of you again. I trust that you're doing well. And here at New Point, we're so thankful for you because you're the church. For so long, the church has been identified as brick and mortar, a building that we would go to. But because of what's happened in our world, we are literally living out the truth that Jesus said 2,000 years ago when he said, I will build my church and nothing will be able to stand against it. And so we've been able to go out into our world and we've been able to be the hands and the feet and the love of Jesus Christ. It's been an incredible, incredible journey, one that I'm sure is challenging for you. I know it's challenging for me, but I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for you today, and I want you to know that I love and appreciate each and every one of you, and glad that you're joining us today. Now, we're in this series called Better. When life hands you choices, choose better. Now, I didn't say best, okay? We're not saying choose the best. We're saying choose the better. Because when you pursue the best, or when you pursue to be the best, what happens is there's something that overtakes you and I. You know what it is? It's the fear of failure. It's the fear of failure. And when you and I allow that fear of failure to take a grip on us, we get stuck. We don't grow. We end up staying the same. We end up falling into the status quo, and we never get better. But you know something that you can do? Something I can do? Something that all of us can do? We can get better each and every day. I can be a little bit better today than what I was yesterday. And that's what we're looking at. Just making those choices that come your way, that come my way. You see, best is a destination, and we really never will be able to obtain that. But better is a journey. It's something that all of us can go on. And choosing better is what God has for you and God has for me. Now, we're looking at a book, it's called Ecclesiastes. It's written by a man named Solomon. And Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived as well as the wealthiest man who ever lived. He was the son of King David. And King David had the favor of God on him. And I think it kind of fell on his son Solomon because God came to Solomon one day and said, I will give you anything you want, anything you desire. You can ask for anything, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, you know what I want? I want wisdom. I want wisdom to be able to lead these people in the best way possible. And because he chose wisdom, God said, you know what? I'm going to give you everything else. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you fame. I'm going to give you possessions. I'm going to give you all of that. Maybe you wondered what it would be like to have wealth and fame and possessions and not needing anything, not wanting anything. Well, we have somebody in Solomon, and the good news is, you know what? He wrote a journal. 
and we call it Ecclesiastes. And what he has done is he's observed life and people and seasons, and he's taken notes on those so that you and I can learn. And so what we find out today in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is he speaks of the frustration of mankind. Have you been there? The frustrations of mankind. And and though he wrote this almost 4,000 years ago, it's as relevant today than ever before. And as we go through this, as we walk through his journal today, and as he speaks of these frustrations I promise you, you're going to be able to identify with them because I see them all around us. I see people experiencing them. And Solomon has some good news for you and me of how we can deal with them. And that's what we want to look at. And so he talks about frustration. And the first frustration that he observed as he walked around and as he talked with people was a lack of comfort. A lack of comfort. Now, if you look around our world today, we see that, don't we? We see a lot of pain. We see a lot of hurt. We see a lot of suffering. We don't see a lot of comfort. So here's what he writes. He says, then I returned and considered all the oppression that is done under the sun. And we would say, you know what? There's a boatload of that going on. Would you agree with me? And look, the tears of the oppressed but they have no comforter. He says, you know what, there's a lot of oppression going on. There's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt, but there's no comforter. There's there's nobody there to comfort them. He goes on and he says, on the side of their oppressors, there is power, but they have no comforter. Wow, Solomon is saying, you know what, I've looked all around me and I've I've taken notes and I've observed and, and I've watched and I see a lot of people being oppressed by other people. And yet what I have found out is that none of them have comforters. Even the ones who are doing the oppressing, they don't have a comforter. And the end result is that people are suffering and they're hurting, both those who are oppressed and those who are doing the oppressing. And as I, as I watch today in our world, I see those who are oppressed and those who are oppressing the people. And what I see that they all have in common is this, none of them feel comforted. None of them feel that they are cared for. Solomon continues and he says, so I concluded that the dead are better off than the living. Wow, what a statement. But most fortunate of all are those who have yet to be born, for they have not seen all the evil, all the oppression that is done under the sun. What Solomon is saying is from a human perspective, you know, it's it's better not to even be born. It's better not to even live. Matter of fact, he, he went to the extreme of saying it's better to die than to continue to live in this world of where there is no comfort. There's no one there to encourage you. One of the things that I've learned in life is this, that I need people in my life who can bring comfort to me, 
who can help me much more than anything else. Because what happens is this, I can achieve a lot and I can accumulate a lot. But if I don't have people in my life who can bring comfort to me and strength to me, all that I've achieved and all that I've accumulated really is for naught because my soul is eaten up with the sorrow and the suffering and the sin and the shame. One of the saddest verses that I know is found in Psalms 142, verse 4. He says this. This is David. This is Solomon's daddy. He says, I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought, a lack of comfort. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you're feeling that way today. Maybe you would say, you know what, Dwight, you know what, I, I don't really think that there's anybody in my life who really cares about me, really cares about me for who I am. Do you realize that, that statistics bear that out? In the U.S. alone, listen to this, depression, and, and depression comes to people who lack comfort. It affects 18 million adults. That's one in 10. It's the leading cause of disability for people between the ages of 15 and 44. It's the primary reason why people take their life, why they commit suicide, and 41,000 do it every year. And what we have to understand is these numbers are trending up. They're not going down. And I think one of the reasons why they're trending up is because people can identify with what David said. No one cares a bit what happens to me. So why should I care? Why should I go on living? And so Solomon is saying, as I observe life and as I observe people, I find that there's a lack of, of comfort. But he goes on to another observation and frustration. He says there's a lack of contentment. There's a lack of contentment. And here's what he writes in his journal. He says, I observed that most people, most people, okay? Let's say three out of four, okay? Most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. They envy their neighbors. That the driving force in their life is envy. He says, but this too is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. He points out the problem. He says, it's envy. It's competition. And he says, I observe all the people around me. And they're motivated. They're motivated for success, but they're motivated for success because of what they envy in other people. That they use other people as their standard. Kind of goes like this. If you get something, I should get it. I should have it. You own something, I should have it. And you can, you can go like this. You can just say, if I had fill in the blank, then I would feel what? Valuable. I'd feel important. I'd, I'd feel like I'm above the rest. If I get this, I, I feel like I would be more successful than you. 
I feel like I would be more valuable than you. I feel like I would have accomplished more than you. And so Solomon is saying that people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbor. They look into their garage or they look into their house and they say, I want that. So what happens is there's a lack of contentment and so we buy things, not because we need them. We buy things because we want to impress other people. We want them to know that we're successful. We want them to know that we're accomplished. We want them to know that we're important. And so what happens is we end up buying things with money we don't have to impress people that we don't like or even know. So Solomon says, you know what? There's a lack of contentment. James, the brother of of Jesus, wrote this 2,000 years ago. He says, for where you have envy and self-ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Wow. So Solomon says that we're motivated by envy. James says wherever there's envy, there's every kind of evil practice. No wonder there's a lack of comfort. No wonder we have people oppressing other people because envy causes us to do things that normally we would not do. And so he summarizes this by saying it's meaningless. It's meaningless. And in that if you and I continue to be driven by envy and by jealousy and by competition, just wanting more and more and wanting what the other person has, it will end up with a life of emptiness, a life that has no meaning. And so he says, as I observe the world, I see frustrations, I see a a lack of comfort and a lack of contentment, but he goes on to say this. He says, fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. He's talking about apathy here. He's saying, I'm not saying that you don't have a work ethic. He says, I'm not saying that, 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 that you don't work He says, fools have idle hands, but he goes on. He says, and yet better to have one handful of quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. What's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about an overachiever. He says here, he says, two handfuls of what? Work, overachieving. And, And so he's talking about balance here. He says, fools, okay, fools fold their idle hands, lending them to ruin, okay? He's talking about apathy here. The result is you just don't do anything. That's not contentment. That's called laziness, okay? And then he goes on and he says this, okay? He he goes on and, and he says, not only do fools fold their idle hands, but he says, two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. This is the overachiever. So you know what? I'm not gonna be lazy. I'm gonna become a workaholic. And I'm going to overachieve. I'm going to be consumed with my work. And so it's going to lead to a lack of contentment. And boy, do we have that in our world. And yet he says this. He says, better to have one handful with quietness, contentment, than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. He's talking about balance here. He's talking about, yeah, we need to work hard but we also need to enjoy life. 
And he says as he observes people though, he says they're motivated by success because they envy their neighbors. They use their neighbors as a standard so they can't rejoice with people who rejoice. And I have to be more successful than you. I have to accomplish more than you. I have to be noticed more than you. Let me ask you a question today. Maybe you want to put it in the chat. What are some of the circles that you find yourself running in? Maybe you feel like you have to be more successful, more accomplished, more noticed, more important. Put that in the chat, would you? And so Solomon here says to you and I that there's a lack of comfort. There's a lack of contentment. Here's what else he says here, and we need to go on. In Proverbs 17, 1, he says, A simple, humble life with peace and quiet is far better than an opulent lifestyle, a lavish lifestyle with nothing but quarrels and strife at home. You see, listen to me. When there's a lack of contentment in your heart, you know what happens? There's quarrel and strife at home. I promise you. Because you're just going after it. You're racing, you're racing. And so he would say, you know what? Have that balance. But I see a lack of contentment. And not only a lack of contentment, but he would say a lack of community. A lack of community. Wow. Here's what he writes. He says, I observe yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, all alone without a child or a brother. What's he talking about here? He's talking about loneliness. He's talking about loneliness. He's, he's saying that, that this person here is lonely. They don't have anybody in their life who cares about them, who loves them. They lack community. And yet, he says, who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. He's not only lonely, he's restless. He has a restlessness about him that, that he's alone, but you know what? He's still pursuing, he's still chasing, and he says that it's chasing the wind. And you know and I know it's no fun to be lonely. No fun at all. Sad is the person who comes to his life, the end of his life or her life, and has no one to celebrate with, no one to cry with, no one to laugh with. Solomon is saying here that he sees a lack of community. He goes on and he says this, but then he asks himself, this person who's lonely, who am I working for? Why am I doing all of this? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? Why, why don't I have rich relationships? Why am I not enjoying people? Because they're the only thing that's going to last forever. It's all so meaningless and depressing. See, when you lack community, you find yourself depressed because you're all alone. You'll find life lacks meaning, and you'll be chasing the wind. And so you have to ask yourself this question, what are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to accomplish? He says, if you do it and you lack comfort and you lack contentment and community, it'll just bring depression. It'll bring a sense of emptiness. And he says, as I look around, guess what? He says, the older I get, the more I see a lack of comfort, a lack of contentment, a lack of community. David writes this in Psalms 39, 6. 
We live our lives like those living in shadows. All of our activities and energy are spent for things that pass away. We gather, we hoard, and we cling to our things. Listen to this. Only to leave them all behind for who knows who. Wow. Solomon is saying, you know what? The frustration of mankind is that we lack comfort, we lack contentment, we lack community. And yet he goes on and he shares what he observes and he learns and he gives us two solutions to the frustration that mankind is experiencing. And he says this, he says we need to value community over self-pursuits. Value community over self-pursuits. Look what he writes. This is incredible. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. He's saying that, that, that two are better than one. Don't go alone. That success comes to you quicker and faster when you're with someone. That friendship is much more preferred than going alone. Put two people together and guess what? They can help each other what? Succeed. He goes on to say this. He says, if one person falls, the other one can reach out and help them. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You see, there'll be times in your life, there'll be times in my life, guess what? Things don't go well because we live in a fallen world. And he says there'll be somebody there for you if you value community over self-pursuits. Now, none of us think that it will happen, but it will happen. You see, what he's valuing is community. What he's valuing is friendship. And friendship means that you're always there no matter what, no matter what. He goes on to say this, he says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? He goes back to an Eastern practice of when they would go through the desert and it would get cold at night. What they would do is they would gather and they would sleep in groups so that they could keep one another warm. And he's just emphasizing that community, okay, Community, value community over self-pursuits. You see, what happens is we can go alone and we're pursuing success, we're pursuing accomplishments, we're wanting to accumulate things. We find a lack of comfort, a lack of contentment, and a lack of community, and we suffer because of it. And he says value community over self-pursuits. That's why we would say at New Point, doing life alone is dangerous. See, this is why we encourage you to get in community, to be a part of a group. Because of this, it's so, so important. It's important for you emotionally and mentally and spiritually. He goes on to say this. He says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You know what he's saying? He's saying you're going to have difficulty you're going to have situations that seem like they're an attack, and you're going to need somebody to help you. You're going to need somebody to watch your back, so to speak, so that you don't break under pressure. And so he says two are better than one. And he's saying to you and I to value community over self-pursuits. He goes on and he says this. He says, it is better to be a poor but wise youth than an old foolish king who refuses all advice. 
such a youth could rise from poverty and succeed. He says he might even become king, though he has been in prison. His life can be turned around. But then everyone rushes to the side of yet another youth who replaces him. Endless crowds stand around him, but then another generation grows up and rejects him too. So it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. You know what he's saying? He's saying we should value community not only over self-pursuits, but popularity and success. You see, do you know that you can be very popular, but not known? That you can have thousands and thousands of people following you on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of that and not be known and be lonely? You can be very, very successful and still be lonely? You see, what he is saying is this popularity and success apart from friendship, community, is meaningless. And, and he is saying that friendship is more than just popularity. It's much more than that. It's community. It's where you are known. You see, I, I like to describe community as this. It's to know and to be known. Anybody know you? It's to love and to be loved. Anybody love you? It's to serve and to be served. Anybody serving you? It's to celebrate and to be celebrated. Anybody celebrating you? You see, we need that. Otherwise, our lives will be eaten up with the frustration of a lack of comfort, a lack of contentment, a lack of community. And so Solomon would say to you and me, value community over self-pursuits, over mere popularity and success. Because community will bring you comfort, contentment in your life. Now, who demonstrates this the best? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's that friend. Look what is written. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, Solomon says. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He says, you know what, too many friends. Can you have too many friends? I think you can. Because what happens is when you have too many friends, you're going for popularity. If you're going to be a good friend, you're going to have a handful of good friends who will stay with you, stick with you, who will help you through thick and thin. And he says, there's one who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. And this is why we say here, Jesus makes life better and he makes us better at life. So Solomon would say to you and me today, it's better together. It's better together. Otherwise, if you do life alone, you're gonna lack comfort, you're gonna lack contentment, you're gonna lack community. The very things that you were created to experience and have. And it all begins with the person of Jesus Christ. You see, he brings all three of those. He brings comfort, he cares, he brings contentment, he satisfies, he brings community. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Maybe you've never experienced him, but when he becomes your friend, he empowers you and equips you and enables you now to be a friend to others 
so that you can experience a friendship that is meaningful and that is helpful. Would you pray with me? God, we know today that we need friends, but it's so tempting for us to go alone. It's so tempting for us to to go on these self-pursuits of trying to accumulate something or accomplish something or achieve something. And we find ourselves very, very much alone, frightened, not feeling loved or cared for, a restlessness in us. We know that it's very tempting for us to, to pursue success even at the expense of relationships with other people. And yet we know, those who have lived long enough, we know that all of those things fade away. They fade away. And the only thing that really remains is you and the people that we love and the people that love us. And so God, I I pray today that we would value community, that if we're not in a group, we would get in a group. And that we would value community over self-pursuits that we would value community over being popular or succeeding because what really matters most is our relationship with you and our relationship with a handful of people around us because everything else will fade away. We love you today, Jesus, because you make life better and you make us better at life and all things are possible for you. So it's in your name that we give thanks. Amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made, or let us know how God's moving through this series, visit newpoint.org forward slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media. Download our app, subscribe to our weekly podcasts through Google Play or the App Store, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ.